What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me, as always, is my trusty co-host, Curtis. Uh, you can probably tell if you're listening, my voice is uh, its not all the way there, coming back from South Bend. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible experience going there, guys. Uh, so for all of you that, that were there, I mean, you know what it was. It was incredible. And for everyone who didn't get a chance to make it, um, still, I bet it was, I know it had to be incredible just watching that uh, on Saturday night and just seeing what our team was able to do in a big-time environment. Curtis, it's been a long time since we won a – I mean, I don't know, would you call this a big game? But I, It was just because of the fact that – is a prime time game, you know. Um, there's a lot it's, of pressure. it's Notre Dame. I mean, regardless yeah, if Notre Dame was has been good or not for the rest of the year, but there was a lot of pressure leading up to the game itself. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the fact they were four and eight last year, and who knows what they'll be this year. I think they were still a pretty good football team. Notre Dame yeah, carries some cachet. Somewhere in there, yeah, yeah, about an eight and fourish type team. But but that name carries cachet, and when you win in a prime time something like that, that is a big win for a freshman. We had with a true freshman quarterback making his first start. Uh, I, mean, he, I know he played a lot against Appalachian State, but his first start is a road start in a big-time environment like that. Uh, just, I mean, it was unbelievable, man. It was just an incredible, incredible trip, incredible, incredible experience. So I'm actually literally just getting back from that. So I, we apologize that the show's a little choppy or bumpy today because we don't really have an outline or any kind of script at all to work from today. We're kind of just going to be freewheeling it here, kind of just winging it. Uh, but hopefully uh, it'll, it'll still be good for you guys and you guys can enjoy it a little bit as well. But uh it was awesome. Uh, before we get into all, we're going to definitely get through all of our observations, good and bad. Uh, before we do that, though, just a couple quick friendly reminders here. You guys can uh, always follow and interact with us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UG. had a good time kind of interacting with some folks after the game. Uh, obviously, the euphoria was running high. I was a little bit out of my mind tweeting, so if I tweeted some weird, stupid, lame things, I apologize. I just couldn't contain myself. I ripped my clothes off after that sack. I really did not know what to do myself. I was just kind of trying not to... Uh, be too obnoxious to all the Notre Dame fans. So they were they were good folks. I didn't want to rub in their face too much, but it was uh, it was pretty incredible. But uh, yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter at glory underscore uga. Uh, you can email us at glorygapodcast at gmail dot com, and also check out our Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. Uh, and for some of our newer listeners, I know we're, there's some of you that are that are new here because we're getting new listeners each and every show. It seems like. Uh, but so if you are new. Uh, I know you're obviously listening to us from some podcasting platform or another, but just a heads up that you can find our show on a variety of platforms. We've got, of course, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, all your typical podcasting platforms. We're also on Dog Sports Radio, so you can also check us out there. Whatever works for you guys, uh, hopefully there's plenty of options to go around there. All right, Kurt, let's just go ahead and start rolling with this. And Like I said, guys, I literally, I'm just rolling in to, back to Athens now. Uh, it was a long drive back home. We did the drive thing instead of the, the flight deal. My wife uh, prefers to drive. She likes to be in control like that, which I can accommodate if she's awesome enough to, to go with me on these trips. So um, we're kind of just going to be going through our basic observations here. I'm, we're just going to roll out like that. Kurt's going to give an observation. We'll talk about it. I'll take my turn. We'll just kind of alternate back and forth like that. So, Kurt, I'm going to let you start us off, man. Take it away. What's the first thing that comes to mind for you when you talk about this game? Um, I think it's the, it's the most obvious thing, but um, I think it's have to say is the, um, the absolute domination of our front seven, the starting front seven, because, um, you know, there were some plays that happened when we have some other people like Reggie Carter backups in, but the, the you know, starting front seven was just dominating. I mean, um, the so, longest, I mean, up and down the line. I mean, it was yeah, up and down to the a line. I mean, the thing is, the longest run after a team that had three 100 yard rushers last week. 422 yards rushing. I know yards. it's Temple, but 422 yards rushing in week one. Yeah, it doesn't matter who, as long as they're D1, that's still yeah, four, I mean, Hey, Temple, I know that's not the same team as last year. It's not last year. They won the American Conference last year, so they're not chopped liver. No, yeah, I mean, they're not terrible. And see, and like our longest run play we allowed was eight yards. And I have to say, that's very impressive with a quarterback like that. I mean, he had no running room. We, I mean, there were times other, I mean, times where he, he would think he'd have space in Roquan or we would just, our, our, you know, our, um, stunts from the line, from the linemen were great. Yeah, we were stunning all over the place. Yeah, because we were doing It's a great effect also. One would go inside and the other would stunt around outside to, to stop his lane from outside. I mean, they were showing it. If you, if you guys watch the replay of the game or even watch it on TV, you can see that we were just stunning like crazy to take away the lanes for him up and, up the middle and on the outside. It was really unbelievable, man. Like, to a man, every one of those guys just played lights out. If you talk, obviously, Davin Lorenzo uh, getting hey, a lot of the uh, club. From, front, from the, the front seven, you know, we usually do our game balls. And I have two game balls. I mean, I know Bellamy made the big play at the end of the game, but I definitely ha- have to 
with, um, I don't know, I, I kind of want to go three, but I'll, I'll just do two. Maybe you want to get one. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Lorenzo, no doubt, gets no one. No doubt, no doubt. And I actually think I want to go with Trent. From, so I'm going to go with on the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was, he was stuffing some plays up there. Yeah, him and Tyler Clark. Dude, Tyler Clark has become quietly become our second best Stevens of lineman. Or, yeah, I, mean, I should say, interior yeah, defensive lineman. Tyler Clark, if he didn't miss a couple tackles, he had multiple tackles for loss. I Dude, mean, that guy has grown there. up. I mean, he was good last year. He was a solid freshman. But this year, he's become a force. I mean, it's only two. It's still early in the season. I don't want to try to overreact too much. But from what I've seen in two weeks here, Tyler Clark can the play. About, the thing I noticed about Clark is he gets off the ball very quick yeah, compared to yeah, some of the other absolutely. guys. Absolutely. He can slip through blocks. He's got this kind of slipperiness to him. I mean, Rochester's playing really well. I mean, well, except for the, the hands to the face crap, man. Whew, that was some of those penalties, dude. God, I mean, well, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, we'll get to that a little later, but God, can't can't have that, man. I'm glad we were able to pull this one out with all those penalties, but can't have that against better teams. Yeah, man, the front seven, though, they were just, I mean, obviously, Davin and Lorenzo were ridiculous. Um, Roquan, Ro- Roquan I mean, is. They, they stopped trying to do certain things because he just shut it down every time. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I have a. I was kind of separating all these, but let's just talk about all the whole front seven together here. Roquan, all right, I'm just going to say this, and I know I'm, I sound like a broken record talking about Roquan Smith being an All-American, but if Roquan Smith is not an All-American linebacker this year, I know we're only two weeks into the year, but still, and I, I say I don't want to overreact, and here I am overreacting, but if he is not an All-American, then All-Americans do not exist. I mean, is that is that too strong to say? No, because, I mean, he was, he was controlling the game. They stopped having to... They stop trying to do certain things to take him out. Of I mean, it what can he not do? Playing. He is an. This is what I, I call Roquan an eraser. He's an eraser. When you he any play, even if if there's if it seems like there's wide open space, here comes Roquan to erase you. There are a couple of plays uh, Saturday night where it looked like Wimbush was about to spring one on the edge there, and here out of nowhere, here comes Roquan just storming across the field. I'm, I'm talking coming from out out of the frame, man. And coming across the field and making a play in space against a very mobile quarterback. He is an absolute racer. And while we're talking about erasers, yes, Roquan is at the second level. J.R. Reed is or he's just as much of an eraser from the secondary level. And that guy is, I mean, I, I had I can I would never in five million years have predicted he would be this good. Would you have? No. I mean, the guy is a stud. There was one play in particular. It was late in the game. It was in the fourth quarter. It looked like they were uh, Wimbush had a wide open space. You know, we bottled him up almost all game long. Look, he finally had some room in the perimeter, and it, it would have been a first down. They would have kept the chains moving and might have might have even gone down, score a touchdown, and changed the game. But he comes out again. Another situation like like Roquan comes from out of the frame and makes a shoestring tackle. But again, he's erasing those plays. It's just, I mean, we haven't had guys like that to play that consistently like that in a while, man. And it's it's been awesome. And you can't go, I mean, Nature has played really well. I mean, even Reggie Carter, you know? Reggie Carter played well. I know we've kind of been hard on him at times, but he played really well. And you've got uh, DeAndre Walker. I, I, I was high on him coming or after last week. I'm equally as high on him this week. I mean, he had two tackles for loss. I think that was the final stat, right? Does that sound, does that sound right? Two tackles for loss? Probably would have had three if he doesn't commit a face mask. Oh, God. But at least he was there to make the play. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it was. I mean, he wasn't alone in making dumb thing, doing dumb things like that. But I, man, I just, I can't. I do not have enough positive things to say about our front seven. And to, to add to that, what was the conversation about this Notre Dame offensive line coming into the game? Uh, you know, that's what all we talk about: all Americans. Yeah, you got you got the two All Americans that probably should have been first round draft picks, and McGlinchey and Nelson. And those guys are good. I don't want to take anything away from them. Were they like 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 we said in our preview show for this game? We thought that they were not quite as good as uh, the publicity seems to make them out to be, as, as all these pundits want to make them out to be. But they're still really good. And I, after watching them, I know that we made them look silly at times. But I, I don't really think it's because they're not good. I, I, I just think, honestly, it's because our defense is that good. I mean, are, are you with me on that? Yeah. I mean, those guys are good yeah, players. I mean, like Brian Kelly said, too, especially at the end of the game where Bellamy beats him. Our depth really showed then. Our guys were fresh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we have and we keep rolling those guys in and out, and we keep coming with fresh bodies. And those guys, like I said, those linemen were good. Those I'm not trying to take anything away. They are a good. That's a good football team. It's a really good offensive football team, and we absolutely shut them down. I mean, we absolutely shut them down. And I think it's just because we're that good on defense. I mean, I mean, call me a homer if you want. I think one of the things I'm taking away from this game, one of my big observations is simply this. I am officially convinced, and I know, again, it's only two weeks in this season, 
But after what I've seen two weeks in a row, I'm officially convinced this is a, this is a an easily a top ten caliber defense. Are you with me? Um, if we clean, up, I know we we held St. Brown in check, but I think we still need to clean up um, a little bit on the secondary to do be that. But yeah, I think we're close. Front seven. I, I think this is a. I, I'm officially convinced it's a top ten caliber defense, man. I I absolutely 100 am. This offense, guys. I I I did not think I even said it on on the previous show. I didn't think twenty points would win this game. So I'm gonna fess up, guys. I was wrong. I did not think twenty points would win this football game. I'm I'm shocked it did. And this Notre Dame offense, I'm not gonna backtrack on this Notre Dame offense. This is a that is a good offense. They have tons of playmakers. St. Brown's a playmaker. Josh Adams. I mean, like we said in the previous show, he's okay. He's nothing special. Uh, Wimbush is obviously he has some issues throwing the football. He's still young and inexperienced, like we said in the preview show. Also. He was, he's really no more experienced than Jay Fromm was coming this game. He's been in college a little bit longer, been in their system, I guess. But he is no more experienced in terms of actually playing on the field. Uh, but he's still he's a guy that can make some plays with his legs and dual threat quarterbacks, but stress on the defense. Uh, Alize, Mack, Smythe, those are some really good tight ends uh, that we were able to bottle up. Chase Claypool, they got, uh, Sanders, that we don't see much of Sanders. Uh, but you've got some guys out there that are going to make plays with them all year long. They're going to put up a lot of points and a lot of yards against a lot of football teams. But we absolutely shut this team down. And I, I didn't see it coming. I thought we would handle them. I, I, I thought we could keep them relatively in check. I didn't see us holding them 266 yards. I didn't see that happening. I, 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 didn't, I, I can't sit here and say I did. There's just no way I saw that happening. But I, we all witnessed it. And so count me a believer. I'm officially convinced this is at least a top 10 caliber defense. Now, we have a lot of football to play. And things can go downhill. But I'm very, very impressed and encouraged with what I've seen to this point. Actually, I would say this defense through two games, has exceeded my expectations. I, and I had high expectations. They're just playing at a higher level than I thought they would come into the season. Right, they absolutely are. Right, you mentioned the, the secondary. I, I have an observation here. But what, give me your take on the secondary before I throw out my oh, ideas. I thought they played very, very well throughout the game. I mean, we shut down St. Brown for, like, what, 16 yards? Um, the one thing I did notice, though, especially towards the end of the game, was that they were purposely targeting Richard LeCount. Oh, like in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Yeah, he made – but he – you know, they, they, they got a play on him, but he I mean, also he made, made a play, huge he pass breakup. He, he made a big play when it mattered at the end, but for, for a while, those last couple drives, they were targeting him. But other than that, I mean, I thought our, our secondary played pretty well. I thought our secondary – I mean, I, here's what I have written down right now. I, I feel like I need to apologize to our secondary. I, I, I personally feel like I need to apologize to them because – I haven't been we I haven't been ripping them, but I, I have shown um, a, a lack of confidence to a degree where I was concerned um, that that might be the most vulnerable part of our defense. And I, look again, I know it's one game, but again, guys, those receivers are legit. I know you're sitting there watching, saying, "Well, we shut St. Brown down." Yeah, we did, but it's not because he's not good. That guy is a legit playmaker. We just absolutely played lights out. All across the board, front seven and the secondary. I, we essentially played man coverage. We we pressed him in man coverage with Baker and Aaron Davis all night long, all night long. There were a couple of situations we had safety help over the top, but on first and second down, we were essentially in our base defensive looks almost all night long. Where we had we had we had three down linemen, two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers. Now I know Lorenzo's playing a little bit of a hybrid role right now, where he's kind of like he's kind of a star, but not really. But regardless, we're able to get. Our base, our base front, essentially our base front seven on the field. Lorenzo can also play in space and cover some of those guys uh, that are playing in the slot. But he's also able to come in and contribute and run defense. And by the reason we were able to do that all night long is because Dan, DeAndre Baker and Aaron Davis were able to hold up and press man coverage for the vast majority of the night. And I, I honestly did not think that was going to happen. I, I thought if we tried to come out with that strategy, they would burn us, and it, it would, it might get ugly. But they they proved me wrong, man. And I count again. Count me as a believer at this point, because I don't know if do you, is there a better receiver that we're gonna be facing all year long. Uh, I mean, Jamon Moore's pretty Moore, good. Callaway's good. That's about it. I mean, those guys are good, but I might take Equinemia St. Brown over those guys. I mean, he's he's at least just as good as them, and, and we absolutely held him in check. It was a total defensive effort. But as dominant as our front seven was, and we talked about that off the bat, because they were and they deserve to be talked about like that. But I don't know if that would have been possible if our secondary had not held up as well as they had because that allowed us to play essentially what was what amounted to a base look on first and second down almost in all game long and, and then consistently get them in third and long situations. Then you bring in your dime looks and then you bring Richard LeCount in 
And right now, Brandon Wimbush is not equipped to handle those looks. He, he's not, and that's what we wanted. We wanted to force him to beat us with his arm, and that's exactly what we forced him to do, and he couldn't do it. And that was what we, that, that was exactly what the game plan called for. Rarely do you see a game plan work out that perfectly, but it, I mean, everything our coaches could have hoped for, it happened. We were able to keep our base looks on early downs. We had, we were able to play press man coverage and keep the receivers in check behind on early downs. You know, and then on third and long situations, bring our dimes, bring those extra DBs in, and Wimbush couldn't fit it in the windows. And and then, by the way, we are able to pin our ears back. You got guys like Bellamy, uh, Carter, Walker, even Trent getting some pressure from the interior. Tyler Clark getting some pressure from the interior. Roquan, Natrez getting in the mix as well. We were able to bring pressure all day, and they just couldn't get into a rhythm at all. So front seven, awesome. But that secondary was, I think they they deserve just as much credit as our front seven. They're not going to get it because, you know, obviously with David making the, 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 the sack fumble, strip fumble there, um, the recovery, and those guys played outstanding. They deserve credit. But I, I definitely do want to apologize personally to, the, to our secondary uh, hopefully they'll keep proving me wrong all year long. It's not just a one-game kind of thing. But I'm really impressed with what I saw out of there, out of those guys. All right, what do you got next, man? What's your next observation? Um, I definitely have to go with the fact that our offensive line is better when Saul McKinley is in. Dude, you stole that straight from my page here, man. I, I 100% agree. Uh, did you see him pancake that one, dude? I mean, there's yeah, multiple pancakes. He got a lot better push when he was in there. I mean, he had some plays for the other guys. I mean, Baker had a great game up until that last, our very last play where he just let the guy go right by him and stop uh, Payne short where we were forced to punt. If not for that, um, Payne gets the first down and we yeah. end the game. But, I mean, other than that, he had a, a very good game, I thought. And I thought, um, you know, the rest of the line played decently well as soon as we got um, Sims out of there. I mean, Thomas, you know, was up and down, but that's kind of what you expect from him. He did, he and when, when he knows what to do, he does he executes very well. But there were yeah, a couple I, I times. Think his hard thing is you know uh, some of these blitzes where he yeah. he goes to the inside guy when the outside guy will go right by yeah. him on yeah. stunts and stuff. But yeah. that comes with time. Yeah, one of those um, sacks on Fromm was I mean directly contributed to Thomas just completely blowing it. And then the other one was uh, or uh, it wasn't a sack, but he got forced out of the pocket. Yeah. With, just let the guy go right by him. So I think we are a better team with Kinley and Baker and all them in there. Yeah, I thought Baker, um, Baker and Kinley were our two best guards yesterday. Uh, my, I didn't, did you see Pat Allen? I didn't see much of Pat Allen. No, I don't think I saw him. Maybe on field goal, that, but not. Yeah, on the I mean, line. yeah, we we were rotating Kinley, Sims, and um, Baker. Baker there, from what I could tell. I thought Baker played fairly well. Again, wasn't perfect. Thought he played fairly well, but I, I 100% agree with you on Kinley. Um, do you have an issue with him? Because we were, like you said, I mean, we were clearly a better team uh, running the football with him in the game. We got more movement, at least on that side of the ball. Do you have an issue with him really not coming in much until the second quarter? Um, I actually, you know, I know he played some or practiced some this week. I still think, I don't know how 100% healthy he is. And I think the right. coaches were trying not to, because they said this, this injury is not about, you know, how extreme it is, and that he's actually really hurt, but the fact it's been lingering. Right. And they haven't been able to get him over. So I think that's the one thing they're trying to see if they can make it through without him because they want to give him the rest to be healthier when, you know, the brunt of your schedule starts at SEC. But I think they came to the conclusion that, we, you know, we couldn't do it. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Like, in the stands, I'm sitting there. You know, I get emotional in these games. My mind races 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, you and I were texting about it. Yeah, I mean, I I was pissed when I saw it. And I even tweeted out there and said if, if – if uh, Dyshawn Sims is going to be a guard for us all night, it's going to be a long night. Um, fortunately, that wasn't the case. He was in there a lot, but he wasn't there all night long. Uh, so on the surface, you're like, you know what? Well, if, if Kinley could play at, at all, then why wasn't he starting and playing the entire game? But then you guys still got to think you're exactly right. You look at it from the coach perspective. Number one, they have a lot more information on his injury than we do. We do all we know is that he was, he's been facing a lingering ankle injury. But we don't know the severity. We don't know how much time he was able to practice or how much practice time he was able to get in. We didn't. What about conditioning, things like that? So there's a lot of, of factors that play into that decision. So I don't think I'm equipped right now to criticize them for not starting him for and for not playing him throughout the entire yeah, game. Yeah, I'm, I'm at least happy that they brought him in. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, but you're exactly. I'm happy they brought him in. You're exactly right. When he was in, I think we it was clearly an upgrade, and I hope we see more and more of him moving forward. I'm curious to see what, what that looks like and how how his ankle progresses. I mean, I would like for his ankle to. So obviously you get to the point where it's not an issue at all because then I imagine he'd probably be playing just about every down because I think it's pretty clear he gives us something we don't have in the interior. What we want, we want that beef, and he he brings the beef for sure, no doubt about that. What about the rest of the offensive line? What would your uh, your analysis be of what they brought to the table as a whole? Um, you know, I thought Wynn played pretty well. Um, you know, I, I thought- through two games, I think Isaiah Wynn has been 
he's been better than I thought at left tackle. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I think, he, I think, honestly, think the fact is he's had to step up his game. Yeah. Um, and he has really risen to the challenge. He's played well. You know, he's had a few mistakes here and there, but I mean, everyone has, especially at the beginning of the season. But I thought he's played pretty solid. And I have to say, uh, Gellier really stepped up this game too. He played better. Yeah, I was, I was very impressed with what I saw from him as well. I mean, look, here's my take on the offensive line through two games. Right now, I think our offensive line is adequate. Is that fair to say? I would say adequate, but at least better than last year. I, I, I think we. Could, I, I mean, there's a lot to play. I think through two games we've been adequate, and that's pro- and like, like you just said, that's progress from last year. It's not great; it's not where we need to be, but there's progress from where we were last year. And I think if you get Kinley in there more consistently, then uh, maybe become even better. And, and and we'll see what I think. Baker hasn't played a ton either, so if he gets more and more reps, see what he can do. See if he improves. Whole career. Yeah, absolutely. So it's you know it'll be interesting to see how this line gels moving forward once we kind of find the right five. I think we're getting closer to finding that five. It, Based on what we've seen right now, it seems like that. I mean, probably... it's not like we haven't. Let's be honest; it's not like we haven't known that Kinley was the guy. He, he, I mean, he's been the guy. No, we since... knew Kinley. I mean, Kinley was the starter since spring. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, him. You know, anyone that's questioning about that, it's not like that he hasn't been the guy. I mean, I think we've been trying to shuffle the other positions. Yeah, I mean, essentially, once Thomas got that right tackle spot locked down, we knew that Gil- Gilliard was going to play center. We knew that Wynn was going to play left tackle, and we knew, we probably knew. Like, I think, yeah, I think the left guard was really the left the guard was the spot. Position. Yeah, that was that was a spot that was really open once yeah, once Thomas locked it down. Like, all guys rotating. Yeah, so and it looks like I, I think Kendall Baker right now is showing that he's the best option there at, to this point. And there's a lot of football left, but to this point, I think that'll probably be our our, our best starting five. I still say though, like, while the, there has been some progress so far this season with this offensive line group. I still don't think we're at the we're at the point where we can feature our running backs like we want to. You, you got two great backs and and Sony and Nick, and while you know we we do things with them, but we can't. I I still don't think we can feature them like we want to. I think if Kirby had his way, we'd be a downhill running team that runs the ball sixty five percent of the time. I really, if he had his way, I think, this, and we would throw enough to keep teams honest. We take vertical shots, just like you said when he essentially took the job and his opening press. We want to be we want to run the football and take vertical shots down the field, play action. We want guys to go get the football. But we haven't been able to do that because we just haven't had the line for it yet. I think we're getting closer, but we're still a ways away. Some of the guys that are going to be major contributors to being the, to giving us the line that we want are just still too young. Um, and one, but once they get the hang of things and once they get the system down and the coaches feel comfortable with them, I think we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be good up front. But right now, it's it's still very much a work in progress. Although it is, in my opinion, improved from where we were this time a year ago. All right, tell me what you thought about Jake Fromm's performance, man. I know that's that's something on a lot of people's mind. Um, I think he was adequate. I think he managed the game well. I thought he did a good job, man. Look, I, it's just what we told you guys. He wasn't going to be perfect. He was going to make mistakes. He no, actually I mean, made. See, I, and I, I have to say, I mean, I just more of what I expected. I mean, everyone saw the sixty-five percent last week, and you know, oh, see that that, that makes him the guy. Well, you kind of saw it come down a little bit to around fifty-five percent, where you where you're more expected to be more realistic right now. Yeah, with a couple of drops thrown there, but that happens any well, game. Well, yeah, I mean, but we could also say the yeah. same for Easton right, last year. Absolutely, you know, how, how absolutely, absolutely. How his percentage be, be yeah. better. Happens any game. Happens any game. Um, yeah, but, I mean, he easily could have had over 200 yards passing. If, if Miko doesn't drop that pass, I mean, that's either uh, it's over. It's about 200 yards passing. You're looking at maybe like 58, 59%, two touchdowns. Uh, so I, I thought it, in, if you could consider the context of how big this game was, not just for the team but for the fan base as a national spotlight game, Notre Dame, Georgia hasn't played there what since the six. I mean, we've never played in South Bend. I haven't played them in, since 1981. Uh, coming in as a true freshman to make your first start like that in this kind of environment in that game, I mean, he, I thought he played really well. He, he wasn't perfect. Yeah, I mean, you, he I made mean, mistakes. You saw, the, you saw the couple freshman mistakes. I mean, the fumble, the pick. Um, you and I texted about too. The one where he evaded the pressure up the middle. His eyes yeah. were keep, keep your eyes on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's a freshman thing. Look, man, again. And then you know, I also have to say um, one thing that got me a little bit too was at times. Yeah, I know accuracy is a big thing on him, but you saw some throws that were a little low. Like one that really stuck to me was in the fourth quarter. He throws it low to Warner, who doesn't really give him a chance to cut up and you know on a third down and make anything yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, and then one, the one that stuck with me also was Nada. I mean, I, I think Nada was you know had a lot of contact on that play, but um, it was just it was close, but. I mean, like football is, it's a game of inches. Yeah, which not a play? The one in the fourth quarter where we had to end up settling for the field oh, goal to yeah, go up yeah. by one. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like, yeah. He, there, there, there are a handful of throws that he I missed. Mean, there were, there, I mean, like you, like, like we're saying, you know, 
it's kind of what we expected. There was good things, and then there were things that you expect from a freshman. Yeah, and I think we need to like let's let's pump our brakes on the expectation. I I think that Jay Fromm is going to be a stud. Okay, I really do. You guys know. I, again, I've said it before. I'll say it now. I'm the president of the Jay Fromm, Fromm fan club. I I love him. Man. I have a, a major man crush on Jay Fromm, but. We cannot put expectations on him as a true freshman in that first start like that, like we did on Easton last year. That's what some people got, people got down Easton. Is the expectations were just through yeah, the, the roof, expect, man. Expectations, and, and I agree. And that's the one thing that could get you down on problem if he has a bad game or something. Because the expectations are so high, but they're that's unrealistic. I mean, yeah. like you know, you and I were talking about it before the game. When, when we saw the be- or before the show, when we saw the best out of Fromm was quick rhythm passes, the ones where he had to think about it, or you know, you had to wait for things to develop was when we didn't get the results we wanted. But yeah, and that's, quick, and that's to be quick, expected. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. The ones where he didn't really have to think, it's, you know, kind of art, kind of knew where he was going ahead of time. Other than the one that Dotto would just picked, I think, because that was kind of where he wanted to go ahead of time. But other than that, the ones, you know, the quick three steps that were out of his hands quick are where he's more successful for freshmen when they don't have a lot of, where you kind of make, you take the decision-making away from them. And I, one thing I was surprised is, that we didn't use more is a little more tempo with him because that's kind of what he's used to coming from high school. Uh, we using that last well, the drive in the fourth quarter, the go ahead drive, right? We, we keep the field goal up twenty nineteen, which is so interesting because I hate to say it, but it's typical. Think about what we did against Kentucky last year. Kentucky, you know, we had some good offense plays, but at the end of the game, we finally go tempo and Easton starts r- ripping right. it apart. It kind of so why are you waiting me. until the fourth quarter to do that? Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that same drive where you, you let him go to more of the intermediate ro- uh, throws, let him show his arm off, but quick, quick, you know, three-step drops. And it kind of reminded me of that where, you know, the whole game, and we do – I mean, our offense was better that game. Um, but the fact was you, you – certain – I mean, we could do it every drive, but we don't yeah. for some reason. Yeah, Bob line for time, me – I think, though, at the same time, though, Notre Dame did start moving into more of an intermediate zone trying to – you know, force us to do something other than the short drop-offs. Yeah, well, they they started to take those away. They were, they started running some fire zones. They were dropping line or defensive linemen into into the passing windows and zone looks, trying to take away some of those 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 looks. And a couple of those that Easton that he had, or not Easton uh, from had to pull down and run with is well, some of it was because of pressure, but he also was seeing some of those looks that he had not seen before, or at least to this point in his career, uh, which is still obviously very early in his career. But for me, bottom line on from is. He he did exactly what I expected him to do. He he came out he did there. Enough for us to win. Yeah, he did. He did, he he put us in a position to win. The moment was not too big for him. I, I I had no I had no reservations at all about saying that. I, I knew he would not be overwhelmed. He would not be intimidated. That's just who Jake Fromm is. He's a gamer. He's a winner. He's gritty. He's got all the moxie. All those truisms you want to say about those kind of quarterbacks. That that's that's Jake Fromm, and that's just who the guy is. Uh, so I, I knew that wasn't going to be a problem. I was concerned about you know him just some. Being in his first start, I mean, second second game experience, he's going to see things that he hadn't seen before. I mean, in high school is one thing you just don't you, you don't see all the exotic looks in high school you see uh, at the college level. And the speed of the game's obviously quicker. Uh, you got to figure out okay, can I fit can I fit the ball in this window? Can I fit the ball in that window? Uh, where do I go against this look? You're just going to see things you haven't seen. You're going to make mistakes. I, but I I will say he made mistakes, but I thought he limited his mistakes. The, the interception to Nauta, he basically hesitated. If he if he threw a little quicker, he he put it out there, he'd been fine. Um, there's also, uh, like you said, there's a few balls that were interacted. The one that could have been a touchdown to Nada, uh, just threw it out, out from a little bit too much there. But he did not make debilitating mistakes. Even the interception right before the half, like it wasn't a terrible decision. He just hesitated a little too long, which again you can expect from a true freshman. Yeah, then, you know, fumble, but uh, you know, well, well, he, I mean, the f- it, it was more of the not just jumping. on yeah, because the fumbles are going to happen. When you, when you run mesh points like that, and by the way, that guys, that was an RPO. I went back and watched it. Nada was wide open. He was trying to pull it. It's what, that's what Fromm was trying to do. He was trying to pull it from Chubb, and she didn't pull it hard enough because uh, he was trying to get to Nada. We are reading the linebacker. linebacker bit. Uh, Nada was wide open. It would have been about 20, 25-yard game. It would have been definitely a big gainer, but he uh, messed up the, the mesh handoff point there. But you're right. His mistake was just falling the ball. Don't try to pick it up. Just fall on it. And you learn from things like that. Uh, and luckily, we're fortunate enough that our defense played well enough to uh, kind of put the put the fire out and uh, put us in a position to win. But Fromm did everything that he needed to do to give us a chance to win, and he did not make the mistakes that that kept us from from being in a position to win down the road or down the stretch. And so, all in all, I think great first true start for Jake Fromm. Man, it couldn't have any better. But I want to take it in this direction, talking about the quarterbacks. Uh, give me give me your take on this. I I am of the opinion that how Jake Fromm ended up playing. You look at his numbers, 
how he put us in a position to win, and we won the football game where he played he he played well in spots and well in moments and did some really good things, but also made some mistakes and wasn't like lights out. Was that maybe the best case scenario for our team where we can win the game with Jake Fromm playing well enough but not lights out? Um, you know I, that that thought has crossed my mind. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, for yeah. recruiting and just for the team itself. Yeah, think about it. like the the my, my biggest concern. When when Easton went or down, that he would come out and throw, you know, play sensational. Yeah, right, and it's, it, I was torn because obviously I want us to win football games, and I love Jake Fromm. I want Jake Fromm to play well. I do, but the worst thing that happened is for us to have a quarterback controversy. And the, the only way for a quarterback controversy to be created in the situation was for Fromm to come out and play absolutely out of his mind and put up like 400 yards in a couple consecutive games. And then you're like, oh God, well Easton hasn't done that. Well, well should, should, when Easton's healthy, should he really be the quarterback? And when that happens, if Fromm takes over as a true freshman, like we laid out in the in the show previewing the Notre Dame game. Uh, well, what does that do to Justin Fields? Is he going to think, well, okay, now this like I got a true freshman that's starting. I mean, I'm going to sit behind him for two to three years. I don't want to do that. I'm going to go somewhere else. Easton transfers, leaves us with one scholarship quarterback, and we're left with scraps to pick from the 2018 class with. Uh, from, at the quarterback position, that was the nightmare scenario. But I guess the silver lining would have been that Fromm played so well that maybe we had a really good season this year. But it puts us in a very tough, tricky situation. So I, I really think it might have been the best case scenario for us for Fromm to play like he did, play well enough for us to win and do some really good things, but not so well that it creates this, this kind of uproar in the fan base that Fromm has to be the guy. We can't put Easton back in. It kind of create that quarterback controversy. Uh, and also kind of scare off Justin Fields. Because, you know, if I'm Justin Fields, if you're Justin Fields and you watch that game, does that make does that kind of push you away from George the way Fromm played? Or is it like, you know what, I can come in and take this job? How do you see that from, from Fields' perspective? Um, that I really have to say that, you know, they he did, he played well, but he didn't, you know, dominate the game. And then you have Seth with mindset. Like Kirby, I think it, Made Kirby name and talk to him, you know, that he says the best don't look at the dead chart. They just know what they can do. And someone like Fields knows that he offers certain things that other people, you know, other people on our roster can't. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm not sitting here and saying that if we have to get Justin Fields or the program is going to go to hell. I'm not convinced Justin or Justin Fields would beat out Jay Fromm. I'm not convinced of that at all. I, but I'm all about competition. I want the I want the most talented guys that we can get on the roster at every position. Let them battle it out and let the best man win. Competition, I firmly believe, brings the best in everybody. Brings out the best in everyone. So yeah, that's and we we bottom line, we just need quarterbacks. We need scholarship quarterbacks on the freaking roster right now. So I, 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 again, it's not that I'm rooting for Justin Fields to come here so they can take the job and he's going to hands down beat Jake Fromm. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I'm not ever going to count Jake Fromm out. But I just want that competition. I want those. I want you know three straight five star quarterbacks on our roster. You know, back to back to back years. That would be ideal, obviously. So it'll be I'll interesting be to see how it plays out. But yeah, yeah. I mean that's greedy. Uh, it's never happened before, but at least for us. But uh, hey, uh, that's what I want right now. We want we want as much talent as we possibly can on this roster. But, I mean, there's a lot to play out there. We'll have to see how long Easton's going to be out, how he progresses from this injury, how Fromm plays from here on. Maybe Fromm comes out in the next couple of weeks and, and does start to tear it up, and then it does create a quarterback controversy. So we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays there out. There have been rumors that uh, Easton will be back for Mississippi State. Yeah, the, I mean, that's, yeah, the rumor that kind of started, I think I started to hear this Wednesday, late Wednesday, maybe Thursday, that uh, it could be, looks like best case scenario. But it ended up only being a level one instead of two. Right, right, the grade one sprain. So that means he could – Feasibly, depending on how he progresses, he could feasibly be back three weeks after the injury. He could be cleared uh, two weeks after the he injury. He could be cleared a week from a week from a week from t- this t- past today. A week from today. The day after yeah, day. so two weeks from the Sunday that it actually got hurt, or the day after it actually got hurt, which would put him in line, which would be this coming Sunday, um, which would put him in line to play against Mississippi State if the coaches feel like they're comfortable with him going in there and he's completely cleared. Well, and that and that's that's very optimistic. That's the best case scenario, but that rumor has been out there. We'll see. We'll see. I still think it might be safer. The safer bet might be say the Tennessee game, but there's there's at least a chance. It seems. Well, I will say it seems there's more of a chance he could play for Mississippi State than I thought this time maybe a week ago, right? Which could uh, yeah, that, that, that could be more. yeah that could definitely be very good news. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the wide receivers here for a second. What was your take on the wide receivers? Um, other than two, you know, I have to say, Nicole's was more of a drop. I know Wims dropped it, but there was also some good defense on that play. But Wims, okay, my issue on Wims that play, caught it with his hands. I'll say that he should have caught his hands, but it was a terrible route. He 
he gave the play away with his eyes. When you're running those fade routes where it could be it could either be a fade or a back shoulder, you have to sell the fade and then come back to the back shoulder. He ran that route basically showing the defender that it was going to be a back shoulder throw the entire route. And so the defender was able to play. If you run it like it's going to be a fade route and then you come back to the ball on the back shoulder, the defender can't beat you. He has no chance to make a, ball, a play on the ball. But when you basically show from the get-go it's going to be a back shoulder, then he's going to play that. And that's exactly what happened. It should have been an easy catching or you know just throw and catch easy but you know made a little harder it's just a poorly run route but I thought all in all I know you know it wasn't a huge passing there was 141 yards passing but I thought the receivers played well um there were two two obviously two catches that really stand out you got the the ridiculous one-handed catch by Terry Godwin man I here's another guy I need to apologize to man like he didn't he it wasn't like he was dominant all game long but that catch was absurd. And Terry Godwin, I mean, we've always said he has the best hands on the team. I think he's shown that. And that's his reputation as well. But that catch, that is a big-time freaking football catch, man. I mean, that that was shades. Remember A.J. Green against Colorado years back? Yeah. It was shades of that. It was unbelievable. I, mean, I had a great time that stands as a Notre Dame fan. I, as soon as he caught it, I was saying, catch, catch, catch. Notre Dame fans like, no, no, no way, no way, no way. He was juggling. like, no way, man, it's a catch. And lo and behold, it was a catch. So kudos to Terry there. Uh, Wims had a huge – I know he had the drop touchdown, but luckily Terry bailed him out there. Uh, but uh, that play late in the fourth quarter, the jump ball, going to get on the sidelines there, dude, that was that was a man play. That put us in position to go out there and kick, and kick that uh, – what in, what amounted to the game-winning field goal. So, And that's what Wims brings – you and I were talking about this before the show. That's what he brings to the table. He is that – that big, tall, physical body, got great ball control or body control, can go up and get the jump ball. He did it last night. He did it. Remember that the, the the touchdown catch against Appalachian State? That Fromm kind of just chunked it up in the air. It probably shouldn't have made that throw, uh, but he was bailed out by Wims just going up and getting the ball and then leaping into the end zone. So Wims definitely gives us that. Uh, I really like what we – Miko Harbin is going to be a weapon all year long. I know he dropped that pass, but – Let's not kid ourselves, guys. He's going to have many more opportunities. It's not like that's a one-time deal for him. He's going to—he's got so much speed. He's so electric with the ball in his hands. That guy is going to make a ton of plays for this for us this year. Uh, Ridley, you know, got his first catch of the year, uh, which was well. That play, first off, didn't look uh, from the TV copy you watching on TV. Did it look like he stepped—he he stepped out of bounds first and then came back in and made the catch? There just wasn't enough to, pr- to prove it. Did you think that was a late hit on From? Push was what was was unnecessary. Yeah, it was borderline, man. Honestly, watching it live, I didn't think it was a late. Hit. I was like, wow, they really just called that. I, hey, I'll take it, I'll take it. But I, just watching it live, I was. I mean, it was a borderline call. I could have gone either way. I could see an argument either way. Uh, but again, I'll take it. I think he only took a step. So I mean, that wasn't the problem. Maybe it was the push as Fromm was heading out of bounds. But hey, we'll take what we can get there. Uh, so really made his his presence felt there a little bit late in the game or in the second half there. But I, I like what I've seen out of, our, out of our receivers. I think we have plenty of talent there. I mean, they're not perfect. They've got to get better. Uh, they got to make more, they got to be more consistent in making plays. Uh, but I, I think we're fine. I think any concerns with a wide receiver might be a little overblown at this point. All right, though, we got to talk about – got to talk about this, man, the penalties. What's your take on that? Expected this early in the season. It's unacceptable. That? You expect that, that many penalties? Um, most of them other than the hands to the face. Those were the ones that were really giving me the hands to the face and the face mask. Just stupid stuff. Did you think that, like, I mean, you can always go back and second guess officials. I mean, I, I, and I don't like to do that too much unless it's just ridiculously blatant. That, uh, opening, I guess the, our, our opening kickoff where Holyfield takes down about the five yard line and call holding on Jarvis Wilson. Did you see that as a holding watching it on TV? To me, that was another uh, one that was borderline. It was borderline. It was borderline, but he should have kept his hands inside. Yeah, again, I could, by rule of the law, letter of the law, that was holding. But you see that every single game, and it's not called. It's just that's, that's what pisses me off about holding. I think football is just the way it happens. But you could literally call it every single time, and they just pick and choose when they call it. Of course, they're going to call it when you have a play that goes down to the five-yard line, obviously. Wouldn't be called otherwise. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's got to keep – and you saw Kirby on the sideline just going nuts about it. Uh, you gotta keep your hands in, man. You gotta keep it. It was just, it was just undisciplined. It was stupid stuff. Very stupid stuff. The hands to the face is just unacceptable. Holding like that, unacceptable. I just can't do stupid things like that. But um, hopefully, we gotta get that cleaned up. Fortunately, though, sometimes when you play, when you when you do dumb things like that in the game, you have that many penalties, and you're still able to escape with a win. It, it can be very, 
you, you're, it's very, it's a very fortunate thing, obviously, because coaches can go back and say, "Look, guys, you had no business winning this game, probably, with some of the things that you guys are doing. We got to clean that up." I mean, honestly, did you think that we played that well as a whole? Defensively, yes, but as a team, no. Yeah, I mean, as it I mean, offensively, we, we left a lot of plays, and we hey, we left a lot of plays out there defensively too. Baker had a pick six in his hands, dude. I mean, that's a that's a potentially we were, we were able to get away with it and, and sneak out with a win, and I'll take it, man. But you can't you can't do you can't drop touchdown passes like Miko Hardman, Javon Wims. You can't drop potential pick sixes like DeAndre Baker and expect to consistently win games against better competition. When we get to the upper echelon talent in our league, you cannot do those things. You have to capitalize on those opportunities if you want to beat good teams. Now we got away with. I think Notre Dame's a pretty good team. They're not a great team. They're a pretty good team. Uh, but we're not going to consistently get away with that unless we start making those plays. We, we made enough plays to win. We made a lot of plays. Okay, we did. Don't get me wrong. You know, Wims we talked about made a big play. Terry made a big play. I mean, Davin Lorenzo made a big play after big play. Um, so did Roquan. I mean, we made big plays all night long. But there were also a lot of plays that we left out there on the field. So if we can just start maximizing some of those and capitalizing a little bit more, then um, man, it could be um, it could be a really really great year for the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I really do believe that. Uh, I, one thing I want—I also want to mention here real quick and get your take on it. Red zone defense, man. We can say the front seven won the game, and you could, yeah, that's true. Our defense in general won the game, but can we also even take it a step further and say our red zone defense won this game? Yeah, we could. I mean, think about last year, how that just absolutely killed us. What was it, like a seventy-five percent touchdown percentage against us in the red zone last year, and we held them to four four field goals. I know it's not all—they weren't all technically in the red zone. I think there were two that were inside the red zone, inside the twenty. But there were four field goals that we held them to from the 25-yard line in. Last year, that would not have happened. They would have scored touchdowns. If they scored touchdowns, they beat us by two-plus touchdowns. But our defense bowed their necks, and they, when it was time to stand up and, and stand your ground, they did it, and they forced field goals. That's what good defenses do. When teams get in the red zone, with, with modern football, the way offenses spread you out and how the rules favor offenses these days, you have to be, I mean, you're going to give up yards. So you have to be able to bow your neck and hold teams to field goals in the red zone to win football games. And that's exactly what we did, man. I, that was maybe the most encouraging thing of the entire night because we lost games last year because we could not hold teams field goals. I mean, Vanderbilt, Ted, that, those two just jumped to my mind immediately. You can even say Tennessee. Those are all games that we absolutely should have won if our defense would have just held each of those teams to one more field goal instead of touchdowns in the red zone. But we did that not just one time, not twice, but three or four times last night against Notre Dame. And that, to me, that's the difference in the game. We, we forced them to kick field goals, and that, that did it right there. So I also have to say one big thing, you know, one of my biggest takeaways also was the special teams. It's been such an upgrade, man. I mean, I know Rodrigo I mean, misses the that, one. I have to say that um, I know Terry lost a lot of yards on that return, which really killed me, but Nicole's return man is dangerous because he just takes it and takes off running. He His acceleration is... He commits to it. Like, even on kick returns, last year, Reggie Davis would stutter step. I mean, did, Nicole but, just goes. But, I mean, it, you even saw a nice return out at Holyfield. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, special teams looks really solid right now. I mean, Rodrigo missed the one field goal, but he, 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 nailed, he nailed two they needed to hit. He was not getting the ball consistently out of the end zone like he was against Appalachia State. I think it was kind of the it was the inverse of what happened against Appalachia State. I think we only had one kickoff that didn't make it out of the end zone against Appalachia State, or it wasn't a touchback. I think we only had one touchback. Is that correct against Notre Dame? Yeah, but it was when we needed it. It was when we needed it in the fourth quarter. It was definitely when we needed it, and that kind of scared me a little bit because C.J. Sanders. I mean, he 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 is a formidable kickoff return guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, special teams right now has been much improved. Again, only through two games, but to this point, much improved to where we were last year. And I, we talked about him against Appalachia State, but Nislik, man, the dude, no one's going to talk about him. He's a punter, but the, the guy is an absolute weapon for us. The hang time he gets on those balls makes him almost underturnable. And that, I mean, of course you want him to lay it out there, kick the ball 50-plus yards, but that's almost secondary to just getting the ball in the air, allowing your your coverage to get down there so they can't return the ball. And he's just he's doing a great job of that through two games. Hopefully that continues. I mean, that guy, what a fine, man, getting him. Just seriously, what a fine. So, man, it, there's a, a lot of good to take away from this game, obviously. There's some things that we definitely have to clean up on if we want to keep the winning streak going here and contend for an SEC East title. But, uh, 
But I'm overall, man. I, I could not be more thrilled walking that stadium. Like I like I, like I told you guys, I was a kid in the candy, candy shop, guys. I was giddy. I, I I really I started like I didn't know what to do. I started to pull off my jacket, pull off my shirt. I was like I don't know, I don't know what to do, man. It was it was just an incredible night, man. Like it, it would have been an incredible trip, an incredible memory, regardless. But capping it off with a win and a win in that fashion, man, it was just it truly it was. I I, I always said it was gonna be a once in a lifetime trip heading into into the game. But it, it truly lit up the building, man. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, last thing I want to get out of here on Kurt, uh, Jim Chaney. I saw some stuff on Twitter last night uh, criticizing uh, Chaney and the offensive play calling. I'm curious though, are, are are you on that bandwagon yet? Are you banging the oh, let's get rid of Jim Chaney? Oh, we were conservative at times, but there were also times where we should have had thirty something points. I mean, the meat cold drop, um, the one in the end zone. Uh, we had two passes, like the one that we missed Nada on at the mm-hmm. end of the game, and the one that mm-hmm. Wentz dropped. Um, mm-hmm. Those are three touchdowns, and uh, yep. instead of three field goals. And let's let's be who dialed those plays up, guys. I mean, uh, look, I, yeah. And I'm not I'm not sitting here saying I, I'm I'm gonna try to let the more of the season yeah, play I mean, out. I'm not even trying to say. I mean, like I said, I thought he went conservative at times yeah. too, but there were times where he drew up plays that we just didn't execute. Yeah, and that was the case last year. I'm I'm still reserving judgment. I, I have mixed feelings on Jim Chaney. I, I agree with you that we're, at times we were too conservative. I, I told you guys in the, in the preview show I wanted us to come out slinging the football, and we did. We opened throwing the ball a little bit, but we didn't stick with it. I wanted to sling the ball around, and we did at times. Because um, I thought that would be the best way to attack this de- this defense. That's what Fromm's comfortable doing. Uh, open up the run game, and it, we did we did it to a degree. Um, but I thought we got a little too concerned. That was my concern coming to the game. Was I had I had faith in Fromm, but I was concerned that Cheney and Kirby were going to go too conservative and try to protect him. And I know you know you could say against Missouri last year at East in his first row start, we didn't do that. Uh, but that was my concern coming into this game. But I, I do think I think he struck a nice balance. There were times when he was conservative, but he dialed up some plays too. He took shots down the field, and we hit some of them. We shouldn't hit all of them, okay? And so I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm not going to sit here and definitively say one way or the other on Cheney yet. Uh, I'm going to give him a couple more games. And you got to also factor in he got a true freshman quarterback, okay? So he's not calling the entire game uh, necessarily that he was planning on calling probably all offseason. He probably had to adjust his game plan a little bit there. Uh, actually, I would say there's no doubt he did. Um, but I'm definitely going to be close eye on it throughout the rest of the season. But I think what people are upset about more than anything is that we heard all this talk in the offseason that you know he went around and visited all these coaching staffs and learned all these new things and implemented all these new schemes, and they haven't seen that as much to to this point. Is that a fair criticism? Um, yeah. I think who knows how much we would have actually showed if you know we had a experienced quarterback in this game. I, I think it's fair to a degree, but he's doing some things different last year. I mean, we ran some RPOs last year. We did. I mean, last year, but, I mean, like Saturday, he drew up some good plays where he would sprint swift out of the backfield, move the linebacker or absolutely. safety, just get one less person out of the box, and we yep. had some big runs out of there. Yep. I mean, we're doing some more jet sweeps. We're doing things we haven't done. I mean, like I, that one play I saw Texas A&M do it to UCLA where they have the one guy sprint out of the backfield and gets either a linebacker, linebacker or safety yep. out of the box. Yep. Usually it opens up the run lane, and we did that. But yep. you can't do it every time because then it doesn't work. Yep. But he is trying new things. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I love what – I actually thought his play calling, for the most part, they, they get conservative at times. But in the, when it counted late in the game, he was not conservative. The end around to Miko on first down uh, to – you know. To get that, I think it was seven yards on first down, and then the fourth quarter, we threw the ball multiple times on first down. Okay, in fact, at the top of my head, it's just off the top of my head, um, I can remember three first downs in the fourth quarter where we threw it on first down. Uh, so it, this idea that he's just it's run on first down, get stuff, run the ball on second down, get stuff again. Now you're in third long. That's just not the case, guys. But it, sure, it happens sometimes, but it's just not the case. Uh, and, and I know there were some people upset about, you know, it was, what was it, third and two. You got Nick Chubb in the backfield. Um, we give the ball. It was in the fourth quarter. We could have salted the game away if we get that first down. But we give the ball to the fullback. We give it to Christian Payne. He gets stopped a yard short. Did you have a problem with that call? Um, you know, I think that the problem was that the Nick Chubb was what they were expecting. Well, the, okay, I know in retrospect you can play armchair quarterback and say, you know what, you got Nick Chubb, you got so much show, give those guys the ball. They're, yeah, they're your bell cows. I mean, but how many like times did that play already worked in the game? Yeah, I mean, and that's what I have to say too. You know, try to mix – I think we're trying to be creative. I mean, he was trying not to do the same old, same old. The fullback, I mean, the quick-hitting fullback and, die was clearly in the game plan and it worked two out of three times. Okay, it worked two yeah, out of three and, times. And I have to say, it works the last time if Kendall Baker doesn't miss the block. Yeah, again, it's execution. 
All right? Coaches, you can call the perfect play. The guys don't execute. It's not going to work. It's just not. I mean, that play to Miko off that fumble, uh, and then we, we come back and take a shot down the field. You cannot dial up a better play. We just simply didn't execute all the way across. It, it's just, it, and it happens to every offensive coordinator. I'm not saying Cheney's perfect. There, there's still sometimes, sometimes like the wild dog thing right now is frustrating me. Uh, I have no issue with a wild dog or wild cat, whatever you want to call it, but the way that he schemes it, it's not going to consistently work. There's no deception to it whatsoever. What makes the wild dog or the, the traditional wildcat so difficult to defend is you've got the motion, and it can draw that draws attention away from the, the, the guy taking the snap. And when you draw attention like that, it gives it gives you a split second head state. It calls those linebackers, or the safeties, to hesitate for a split second and opens up those opens up those lanes. What we're essentially doing is just running power right and power left. And we do that because we're trying. When you get the ball straight into the runner's hands, that gives you a plus one scenario. So we're just trying to outnumber them. That's essentially what we're trying to do, and that 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 can be an element of the wild dog. But that can't be exclusively what we do. We have to have a little bit more deception in there to to essentially allow ourselves to block linebackers, to block box safeties, without actually having to dedicate a blocker to do that, to take them out of the play just based on the zone read essentially. So I would like to see more of that moving forward because if we just keep if we every time we line up a power a wild dog if we just do power right power left, it's just not going to do anything. So I that's one thing that's frustrated me. I will criticize in there on that, but I think all in all, again considering the context with a true freshman quarterback, I thought he called a pretty a pretty solid game. It wasn't a perfect game, but it was a solid game. And there were again like we said it earlier, guys just left plays out there on the field. Hopefully, if we will make some of those plays, we put up close to thirty points. So, I mean, you know, you can look at it one or two ways there. But, all right, guys, uh, I think we just emptied the bag there, man. You got anything else, Kurt? Anything else stand out to you? No, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about all for me right now. Uh, I watched – I tried to watch as much of it as I could uh, on the way home uh, with my wife driving. She's awesome, and, well, she's also just doesn't trust me driving. So I got to sit there on my iPhone and just sit there and kind of watch the game through and through. Um, so – I got to see a little bit of it there. Obviously, just watched it live. I'm gonna watch it again tonight, one more time through on the TV copy. But uh, hey, man, look, it wasn't always pretty. We got the win. I'll take it. We're two and zero. It's as good as you can be right now. Moving into Sanford this week, and then we start the SEC here coming up in two weeks. So, uh, so that's all we got, guys. Man, it was incredible. Hope everyone who made the trip got home safely, enjoyed yourselves, and if you didn't get to make it, it's all good. Hope you guys had a great time watching uh, watching the dogs just. Pull out a huge win on the road in South Bend. And again, sorry for the somewhat choppy, bumpy ride here on the show today, guys. And it's not as clean as we normally try to make the show. Uh, I'm on essentially like two and a half hours of sleep after last night and getting up to crack a dawn to make it uh, back home from South Bend. So my mind is not all together with me here and just kind of rolled in right before we did the show. So apologize. Thank you guys for kind of bearing with us today. I promise if you're a newer listener, this is not typically what the show is like. We're a little more organized and well-prepared, but uh, just kind of the way it is uh, getting back in from the game like this. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Everyone, please stay safe out there, guys. Uh, if you're in Florida, if you're in the coastal areas of Georgia, even if you're not, I mean, here in Athens, we're going to have 35-plus on-hour wins tomorrow, so just stay safe. Um, we'll have a show for you guys during the week, so make sure to check back with us. Let us know your thoughts on the game and everything in between uh, on Twitter, at Lori underscore UGA. But again, I'm Tyler. Curse on the other line. Go dogs. <laughs>